Lesson 3, Preventing Zoonoses in Rural Communities. In this lesson, we will discuss some general prevention practices that can be used when working around animals or in their environment to minimize exposure risks to zoonotic diseases. This lesson contains two parts. First, we will look at simple prevention measures for people, including special precautions for immunocompromised individuals. Then we will discuss how preventative programs for animals can help to reduce zoonoses. At the end of this lesson, you should be able to discuss general prevention measures people should take to minimize zoonotic disease exposures in rural settings. List special precautions for immunocompromised individuals to prevent exposure to zoonotic disease agents. And describe prevention steps that can be taken to reduce zoonotic diseases in animals. Farm activities involve interacting with animals and subsequently brings risk for exposure to disease agents, as well as the potential to spread them to other locations, people, or animals. While the risk for disease cannot be eliminated, simple precautions can substantially decrease potential exposures and enhance safe human-animal interactions. As we learned in Lesson 2, Exposures to zoonotic agents can be broken down into three key areas, a pathogen source or risk area, transmission from the source by various routes, followed by entry into the body of the new host. Subsequently, we can use these three key areas in our approach to preventing exposure to zoonotic pathogens. Preventing entry into the body by using personal protection, reducing transmission with basic biosecurity measures, and developing preventative or treatment programs to keep the pathogen out or eliminated from the animal or herd. Let's first look at one of the easiest steps for preventing exposure to zoonotic diseases, and that is blocking entry with personal protection actions. This starts with three basic steps. First is practicing good hand hygiene one of the easiest and most effective ways to prevent exposure. Next is use of protective clothing, such as gloves, coveralls, masks, and eyewear, depending on anticipated exposures, to provide a barrier between pathogens and entry into the body. And of course, efforts to avoid exposure when possible eliminates risk. Let's talk about each of these a bit more. First and most importantly is hand washing, frequently. Handwashing is one of the easiest and most effective ways to prevent transmission of a zoonotic disease. The mechanical action of scrubbing and the action of the soap can eliminate a great number of disease-causing organisms. Hands should always be washed after touching animals or working in animal environments, before eating or drinking, and before coming in contact with young children or immunocompromised individuals. As we previously discussed, direct contact with animal body fluids, tissues, and feces are major risk factors for exposure to zoonotic diseases. Additionally, the movement of pathogens from the hands to the eyes, nose, or mouth is an important means of transfer and entry, making hand washing a key step in personal protection. Help clients better recognize the importance of hand hygiene by washing your hands frequently during farm visits and teaching by example. It is important to wash hands the right way. While many people think they're doing a good job washing their hands, studies have shown it is often done incorrectly. Follow these steps to properly wash your hands. 
Wet the hands first, then apply the soap and lather well. Scrub all areas of the hands for at least 20 seconds. This is equivalent to singing the ABC song or happy birthday two times. Rinse and dry with paper towels. There are two easy ways to raise awareness about the importance of hand washing. The first is to post signs in your clinic that clients can see and learn from. The second is make sure you and your staff follow the same procedure and teach by example. But as we know, some farm settings will not have hand washing facilities in or near animal areas. In these instances, until running water and soap can be accessed, hand sanitizers can be used. Alcohol-based hand rubs are fast-acting and have a broad spectrum, killing many microorganisms by denaturing microbial proteins. Products used should have at least a 60% alcohol content. These products work best when hands are not visibly soiled. Gross debris on the hands can decrease the efficacy of the solution. If hands are visibly soiled, but water is not available, a temporary solution is the use of a moist wipe or towelette to remove the dirt and debris prior to application of the hand sanitizer solution to increase its effectiveness. Of course, hands should be washed with soap and water as soon as feasibly possible. To use hand sanitizer properly, the solution should be applied to the palm of one hand, then both hands should be rubbed together for about 20 seconds covering all surfaces of the hands and fingers. The amount of solution used should be enough to keep the hands wet for the full 20 seconds. If hands feel dry before that, an insufficient volume of product was likely applied. Placing hand sanitizer bottles in animal areas can help to increase the use of this product and improve hand hygiene practices. Hand sanitizers, when properly applied for 20 seconds or more to hands that are not visibly soiled, are highly effective against bacteria, many fungi, and envelope viruses, but are less effective against some non-envelope viruses, bacterial spores such as Bacillus anthracis and Clostridium difficile, or protozoal parasites such as Cryptosporidium. In these cases, soap and water are better for removing these resistant organisms. A second action to help prevent zoonotic disease exposures is to wear protective clothing when working with animals especially those known to be ill or infected. The type of protection needed can vary depending on the type of exposure and risk, but may include gloves, coveralls, face masks or respirators, and eye protection such as goggles. Pathogens can enter the body through breaks in the skin, even microabrasions such as with dry chap skin. These organisms can also be transferred from contaminated hands. Therefore, the use of gloves can be a useful protective barrier. Gloves should be worn when contact with animal body fluids, tissues, or lesions is anticipated. Palpation sleeves may be useful to provide better coverage of the arms when assisting with animal deliveries or conducting oral examinations. Gloves should also be worn when cleaning animal areas or surfaces. However, wearing gloves or palpation sleeves does not replace hand washing. Gloves should be removed promptly after use, avoiding contact between the skin and the outer glove surface, and hands should be washed immediately after removal. Entry of zoonotic pathogens can also occur through contact with the mucous membranes of the eyes, nose, and mouth. Using personal protection barriers for these areas is also an effective way to reduce exposure and entry from inadvertent contact, as well as aerosols. Masks protect the nose and mouth. Surgical masks provide some protection against large droplets, 
but do not protect against aerosols. Respiratory tract protection may be needed for aerosol exposure situations. N95 respirators protect against both large droplets and aerosols, filtering out at least 95% of particles, and are important when zoonoses such as Q fever, brucellosis, or psittacosis are anticipated. Coveralls and footwear can be an important way to protect against contamination of skin as well as street clothing when working around animals. Coveralls are not fluid resistant, so water resistant protection will be needed for certain situations where splashing or soaking with potentially infectious liquids is anticipated. It is important to remember coveralls can also be a potential fomite for pathogens. Coveralls should not be worn into the home or outside the work environment, such as into town, and care should be taken when removing outerwear. Hands should be washed after removal, and ideally coveralls should be changed or washed daily. Veterinary personnel should change coveralls between farms. Similarly, shoes can be a potential fomite of pathogens into the home. Boots or dedicated footwear should be used when working with animals and either removed or cleaned and disinfected prior to entering the home or locations outside the farm. A third measure for personal protection involves avoidance. This includes actions to avoid contaminated objects and surfaces, protecting cuts or wounds, as well as complete physical avoidance. Avoiding actions such as hand-to-mouth, hand-to-eye, and hand-to-nose contact when working in animal areas can prevent inoculation of the mucous membranes with zoonotic pathogens. As previously discussed, this is a common means of exposure when working around animals. Breaks in the skin are a portal of entry for zoonotic agents. Covering any existing wounds with bandages or gloves can minimize these exposure risks. Promptly clean any new wound, scratch, or bite received from an animal with soap and water and monitor any injuries for signs of infection. Avoidance also includes not eating or drinking in animal areas. Cross-contamination from dirty hands or animal feces or body fluids can serve as a prime exposure risk and further emphasizes the importance of washing hands before consuming food or water. In addition, avoid consuming unpasteurized milk, dairy, or juices. Pasteurization destroys potentially harmful organisms that cause diseases like campylobacteriosis, listeriosis, salmonellosis, brucellosis, and Q fever. Avoidance also carries over to vectors and wildlife reservoirs. We will talk about each of these in greater detail in the animal prevention section, but here we will highlight a few personal protection measures for people. Of course, arthropod vectors are capable of transmitting several important and serious diseases. Complete avoidance, such as staying inside at dawn and dusk when vectors are most active, is one option. This is likely not practical for most individuals working on farms, but should be considered for those who are immunocompromised. Efforts to reduce and prevent exposures when outdoors include wearing light-colored clothing and long-sleeved shirts and pants to keep insects away from the skin. The use of an EPA-registered insect repellent, such as one containing DEET, picaridin, or other approved chemicals, can also be protective. Label directions should always be followed with all products. Avoiding tick exposure is equally important. Checking for ticks daily, especially around constricted areas such as waistbands and socks, helps to find and remove them before they attach. Showering after being outdoors is also protective. 
When found attached to the skin, prompt removal is important. However, proper removal is needed to avoid inadvertent injection of pathogens during extraction. Fine-tipped tweezers should be used to grasp the tick as close to the skin surface as possible, pulling upward with steady, even pressure to avoid leaving mouthparts in the skin. It is important to clean the bite area thoroughly with soap and water after the tick has been removed. Crushing ticks with your fingers should be avoided, as it can expose you to harmful pathogens. We will talk more about prevention actions for vermin in the animal section, but I wanted to discuss one component as it relates to personal protection. Bird droppings and rodent urine and feces can be sources of several important zoonotic pathogens, several with severe and possibly fatal consequences. Rodents can shed not only Salmonella and Leptospira, but also Hantavirus, Lymphocytic Choriomeningitis virus, and Yersinia pestis the causative agent of plague. Bird droppings also pose a potential risk for certain zoonotic disease exposures, such as histoplasmosis, cryptococcosis, psittacosis, and salmonellosis. Personal protection measures when cleaning these items from animal environments is essential. Most of these pathogens can be spread by aerosol and pose the risk for inhalation exposure so masks should be worn when cleaning rodent or bird-contaminated areas. When cleaning rodent-infested and bird-contaminated areas, caution should be used. The area should be ventilated for at least 30 minutes prior to cleaning. It is important not to stir up dust by sweeping or vacuuming. Gloves and a mask should be worn when cleaning. Affected areas should be soaked with a 1 to 10 bleach-to-water solution that is allowed to sit for at least five minutes before picking up feces, dead rodents, or empty nests. Materials should be placed in a plastic garbage bag, sealed tightly, and disposed of. Once cleaning is done, hands should be washed thoroughly with soap and water. Those that are immunocompromised should take additional precautions if working around animals is essential. While complete avoidance is best, for many this may not be feasible. In these situations, it is important to raise awareness of the risk and encourage greater vigilance for prevention practices. Strict and thorough hand hygiene, the use of protective clothing such as masks and gloves, and when possible avoidance of high-risk animals such as those that are young, pregnant, or delivering, or those that are ill. Not only are common zoonotic pathogens a concern for these individuals, but several opportunistic pathogens such as Pasturella multocida, Bordetella bronchoseptica, and Rhodococcus equi are of additional risk for an immunocompromised person. Children, especially those under the age of five, should be closely supervised to ensure they do not put their hands or objects like pacifiers into their mouth and should be prevented from kissing animals. Several handouts and posters have been developed to help you reach out to those that may be immunocompromised. Placing these posters in your clinic can help raise awareness and possibly start conversations. The precautions handouts can then be shared with the individual and provides tips to help them reduce zoonotic disease exposures. Safe food preparation is also important to avoid foodborne zoonoses. This involves four basic steps as outlined by the USDA Food Safety Campaign. Clean, separate, cook, and chill. Cleaning involves frequently washing hands and work surfaces during the cooking process, as well as washing fruits and vegetables before use. 
avoiding cross-contamination, and the use of separate cutting boards or containers for raw meats, eggs, and other foods is important. Cooking foods to the proper internal temperature is important to kill pathogens that cause foodborne illness. Temperatures vary for different kinds of food, and a food thermometer should be used to confirm the proper temperature is achieved. Pathogens can multiply quickly when food reaches room temperature. Proper refrigeration of food products, proper thawing procedures for frozen products, and prompt storage of perishable foods and leftovers are key steps to avoiding foodborne illnesses. While communicating about home food safety with clients can be difficult to initiate, it is important to discuss this topic with those that sell food products to the public. Proper handling and storage of animal products, ensuring refrigeration temperatures are maintained, as well as frequent cleaning and disinfection measures are important steps to minimize foodborne illnesses and provide safe food products to customers. With the growth of agritourism venues, it is also important to share zoonosis prevention with clients who have visitors on their farm. Discussing measures such as posting farm visitor policies, setting up hand washing stations, directing flow through the farm in a safe manner, and of course monitoring and maintaining the health of animals visitors may be in contact with are all key steps to protect the public. You can find more information and guidance for public animal venues in the Compendium of Measures to Prevent Disease Associated with Animals in Public Settings, published by the National Association of State Public Health Veterinarians. This document can be found in the Course Resource Library as well as on the NASPHV website. The website also has a library of fact sheets and posters for venue operators as well as farm visitors. Of course, veterinarians and their staff are also at increased risk for zoonotic disease exposures during the handling, examination, and treatment of animals. Exposure risks also increase when performing procedures such as lancing abscesses, collecting diagnostic samples, or performing necropsies. Several zoonotic agents can exist in high concentrations in the birthing fluids of aborting or parturient animals, as well as stillborn fetuses and infected neonates. Pathogens such as Coxiella burnettii and Chlamydia cytisii pose aerosol risks, so the use of respiratory tract protection is recommended and needle stick injuries may result in the inoculation of vaccines containing live organisms or infective materials. Working in outdoor settings may also increase the risk of exposure for you and your staff to arthropods. It is also important to be aware of and take additional precautions when you or your staff have any immunocompromising conditions. This may involve avoiding high-risk procedures or the use of additional personal protection measures. All of the previous mentioned prevention measures are equally important for you and your staff. Veterinary personnel should routinely wear gloves, facial protection, and impermeable protective outerwear. In addition, eye protection and respiratory tract protection should be used when fluids or aerosols are possible. Cut-proof gloves should be used to prevent Sharps associated injuries. Illness and injury can result in lost work time or hospitalization, so protect yourself and protect your staff. Additionally, use of protective measures helps to demonstrate proper precautions to your clients. For greater detail and more specific guidance on precautions to take for specific veterinary situations and procedures, consult the Compendium of Veterinary Standard Precautions for Zoonotic Disease Prevention in Veterinary Personnel from the National Association of State 
public health veterinarians. This document can be found in the course resource library as well as the NAS PHV website. Next, we will look at some zoonosis prevention measures for animals.